Well, here we go. Deck 78. Hey, Darren, sorry I'm late. You know me. I, I got tied up, and um, here I am on Deck 78. Well, welcome. Take a seat. We have uh, uh, some kind of guest coming, but uh, we're not going to say who it is. You know why? Because there's still non-subscribers listening. Why? Believe it or not. Believe it or not. Some of our listeners haven't subscribed to Trek's yeah. Plus yet. How do they expect to have access to Tech 78 if they I, haven't I don't know. subscribed? I don't know. But it, because it's it's extremely easy to. All you got to do is go to uh, trexpertsplus.com. That's just trexpertsplus is one word spelled out. And uh, Couldn't make it easier, trexpertsplus.com. It can't be easier. Just click on the subscribe button and you're in. Yeah, you're in a very elite fraternity or sorority, <laughs> you know, uh, when you join Trexpert Plus. And honestly, um, what's great is uh, you can get Inglorious Trexperts for free. That's not going to change. Yeah. But the Trexperts Plus subscription entitles you to uh, uh, episodes of uh, Deck 78, which is a, a production featuring uh, Darren, myself, Mark Altman, and of course, Ashley Miller when he drops by the deck. And uh, most of the time, we'll have special guests joining us. And when we don't, it'll just be us. And that's just equally entertaining. Yeah. So um, hopefully, if you join uh, Turks Plus, you'll not only be uh, supporting our ability to um, mix and host and do all that technical mumbo jumbo for the podcast, but hopefully it will lead to other podcasts that'll be uh, done under the deck uh, 78 imprintor, possibly uh, uh, live meetups and other events. So help support the podcast that you already know and love. By becoming a Trexperts Plus subscriber today, you can do it at Trexperts Plus and come hang out with us here on Deck 78. Uh, can you pass that uh, drink, please? Are you going to have that fry? Are you going to eat the rest of those fries? Because you're not. I mean, just only if you're not going to eat them. Just take them. Are you sure? You don't I'm, mind? I'm positive. Okay. We'll see you next week. Join us on our Galaxy-class starship as we head to Columbus, Ohio, the, this uh, December second, USS, USS Columbus, USS Columbia. <laughs> oh no! Wait, sorry, I was channeling the cage. There were no Galaxy class starships back in the day. No, that's true. That was only in uh, in, in Next Generation, and you don't know our tenth as well as. Oh wait, that's not it either. Okay, what do they say? What do they say? These Galaxy class starships. What is that ridiculous scene in Far Point where they're talking about the? You know, they're literally like. I think it's I'm very the impressed Bible. by this new Galaxy class starship. Okay, great, good for you. How many times do they say Galaxy Quest in uh, Galaxy? <laughs> How class? many times do they say Galaxy Quest? Galaxy class in in Far Point, Darren. I don't know. I think uh, maybe three times. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, they yeah. they want to really hammer it home because it's in the Bible. It's so they got to make it than, very clear. It's way bigger than the solar system class one. It's super bigger than the constellation <laughs> class. It's even bigger than the dreadnoughts. Okay, so uh, the point of this, the point of this is that we, Darren Doctor and Mark A. Altman, the Inglorious Trexperts, are going to be at GalaxyCon in Columbus, Ohio, December second through the fourth. You'll join be a, a, a wonderful romping weekend with us. Yes, yes. I, it's going to be great because uh, these are great conventions. Uh, Mike Broner and his team do a fantastic job. We're really excited uh, um, to, to be there. Um, we know that they're all about the fans, which is something that we found very attractive when we had the opportunity to go. Uh, and, and you can join us for live podcast recordings, interviews, meets and greets, special guests who will be attending the convention like Bill Shatner, Kevin 
have, I have in my notes Kevin Sith. Who's that? <laughs> Kevin Smith. <laughs> Jonathan Frakes, Brent Spiner, Terry Farrell, many others. Of course, and us. we and us. Well, of course, us. That's the most exciting of all. Your, we would be honored favorite, if you would join favorite, us. Your uh, favorite wheeled scooter targets. Oh my God! I hope not. I hope not. I feel like they <laughs> they they set their sights on me. Like they've locked on. They've locked on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like when there's a phaser on on, on overload. Deflector is full intensity. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, but it's going to be great. We're really excited. And we hope you are too. And you'll join us in Columbus, Ohio, this December 2nd to the 4th at GalaxyCon. For more information or buy tickets, go to galaxycon.com today. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Docterman. And this episode, we are the Inglorious Tracksperts. And are you ready? Are you ready to fly like an eagle into the future? <laughs> or well, are, are you going to be an unidentified flying object? Um, do you hear <laughs> lightning and thunderbirds? <laughs> or are you just holding your breath and turning Captain Scarlet? Are you just insane and a viewer of Space Precinct? Um, <laughs> well, find out. <laughs> today, when we are joined by the great Jamie Anderson, son of uh, Jerry Anderson, and uh, this show was inspired, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had Rod Roddenberry on the show, and it was so interesting to talk about how he was upholding the legacy of his dad, uh, Gene, the late Gene Roddenberry. And we thought, oh, it'd be so interesting to have um, Jamie on the show, who I, I've talked to in the past and and quite like, um, and and talk about him continuing the legacy of his father, uh, the late great Jerry Anderson. And yeah. some of you are rolling your eyes and saying, "Oh God, they're going to talk about Space 1999 again." And you're right, we are. But <laughs> here's the thing: we talk a lot about Star Trek on this. Surprisingly, a lot yeah. about Star Trek on this. A lot and, about Star Trek on this Star Trek podcast. And. <laughs> <laughs> you are going to have Star Trek on this Star Trek podcast and um, uh, some other really interesting things. Jamie's a great guest. He has a lot of interesting stories. And we talk about fathers and sons. Yeah. And given that our podcast skewed so heavily male, that's probably of interest to most of you. <laughs> um, but uh, one day we have to do um, fathers and daughters just to, to equal it, equalize it. Right. We'll have... Uh... Uh, Christopher Nolan talking about uh, his uh, space movie. Okay. I can't remember. Interstellar? Yes, that's the one. There you go. Okay, so it's a, re it's a really interesting show. And, of course, the great thing about Jamie, in addition to the fact that he's keeping his father's legacy going, is that he's doing a lot of really cool space 1999, UFO, Firebirds, Terrorhawks, not a lot of space precinct merchandise. And um, and he's going to talk about that as well, because there's a great new um, if you don't already have the Space 1999 Technical Operations Manual. It's great. It's really great. We we talked a little bit about it with Dave Hirsch when he was on the show. It absolutely. I got the one in the uh, in the fancy Space 1999. Yeah, you splurged for the carrying case. That's sweet. Uh, exciting. So you can carry it around. You can fly it around just like the moon. That's right. And just carry it around. And then, so they're coming out with the UFO technical operations manual, the shadow, I should say shadow, right. because of, uh, you know, and special headquarters, special headquarters of. Um, special headquarters for 
dealing with the UFOs. You see, I could do Spectre. <laughs> I can't do Shadow. Yeah, that's right. That's why we need Rob Burnett. He, he would tell right. us what it, what, it, what it is. But um, but yeah, they, they're coming out with that. They have um, and, and a bunch of other get, great you stuff. Get a, you get a five-picture deal with Harlington Striker uh, Studios, so... They they have a new collection. <laughs> yeah, that'll rolling good. That'll do you. And um, they got a great Fireball XL uh, comic book collection coming XL out of the old uh, newspaper yes. strips. XL five. What did I say? They say two XL? XL Fireball XL. <laughs> That's Fire, the large Fireball size. It's about a toy robot. <laughs> I was so gratified, by the way. I was so gratified um, when we talked about two XL on the show a couple of weeks ago. Social just lit up. Everyone was so excited. Two XL rememberers and uh, and fans. Yeah, and I did find I after that I was so inspired to tr I tried to track down Michael J. Freeman, the creator of Two XL yeah. again, who I talked to many years ago through his intermediary uh, to get him on the show as an interview. Um, but I have not heard back. But so if you're like Rafe Needleman and Michael That's Freeman right. is at home listening to his podcast. We want to talk to you. Please reach out. We we need to talk about 2XL and the history of 2XL. And, Who and, and is the... baseball's fastest pitcher? Nolan Ryan. <laughs> you are correct. You are a sports genius. You are also a Trexpert. Yes, uh, indeed. Yes. yes. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, I, I you're going to see during the show, and we'll talk about it when we come back. I, I really like this idea we have for um, – well, anyway, we'll talk about it when we come back. We got a great interview with Jamie Anderson. So uh, buckle up, get ready for some breakaway. And we're about to well, this get is ready we're for gonna, action. We're going to we're actually going to beam the Space 1999 guy yeah. on board our little ship here. The little good ship Trex person. Right. Energize. So, Jamie, we 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 we've talked before, but I I, I didn't ask you, and and I, you recently we had Rod Roddenberry on the show to talk about you know sort of keeping up his father's legacy, yeah. and um, it's so interesting because I think I made the point then. It's like you don't see Quinn Martin's kids if he had you know oh remember where you know where the fugitive and you know you don't <laughs> see uh, you know Donald Belisario's kids you know saying oh Magnum or you know whatever whatever you know so many. Uh, uh, you know, Andrew McLaughlin. Oh, remember Have Gun Will Travel? But, you know, you guys are very unique in that you you have this mission to preserve mm -hmm. the legacy of your parents' um, amazing content. I, I, I don't want to say content, amazing uh, uh, um, series and movies. And, uh, and content. I hate That's that word. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and I, I, it shows you how we all fall prey to the... Uh, that, that 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 talk. So I'd love to know sort of what was the impetus for you to make this, you know, such an important part of your life in terms of carrying on the Anderson legacy because it is very rare. I mean, we we you know, we know Rod and we know you and but it very very few um offspring of their of 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 these great creators, you know, really Care, other than catching the checks of their late parents care that much <laughs> and you guys really you know don't just care you're, you're passionate about mm. extending this you know and 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 let, keeping the, the flames burning and the, yeah. the you know and i'd love to know you know what sort of the impetus for that was 
Well, I, w- I would love to know too. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure I can necessarily give you a really kind of succinct answer. So I did a, I did a panel uh, at a sci-fi convention with Rod and with Adam Nimoy a few mm. years ago. Uh, and I made an inappropriate joke at the start of the panel uh, about what it should be called uh, because my sense of humor is perhaps a little too dry in English, uh, which maybe slightly offended the two guys because I was trying to work out what it was that, made us all similar because i think we're actually all coming at at this from very different places right and there was there was a bit of me that wondered in a kind of pop psychology way if it was a kind of slight distance from the the kind of uh, the father figure the parental figure versus the ever presentness of the the shows of the ip of the content um but uh, but actually i think maybe it's it's a simpler answer than that which is just that when i was growing up I would go to Pinewood Studios or Shepperton or Bray Studios with dad and see him working. And there is something incredibly intoxicating about watching the process of something go from somebody's mind to content that could be shared with millions of people or billions of people. Uh, So from very early on, I just thought it was such a cool thing to be able to do. So, so powerful, so exciting. You know, you don't really get to make that, that, um, that enormous transition from thought to reality in many other fields. So, so quickly, relatively speaking, and we know there are lots of pitfalls along the way with these things, but I think it was, it was solidified by just how touched people were when dad died you know the things people said the emails we received the tweets that i saw the the news coverage and in the subsequent months just how many people reached out to say the course of my life changed because of that work and that could be that they went and worked at nasa which many of them do now and we a big fan of ours is the head of human and robotic space exploration at the Euro- European Space Agency, which is a great job title. Yeah. Um, uh, but people who went into the, the film industry too, I mean, Peter Jackson, Jim Cameron, uh, Christopher Nolan, many others who credit that, you know, dad's work as being something that inspired them to go and do these things, having an impact on on Star Wars, you know, George Lucas coming and seeing what Brian Johnson was doing at Bray when they were making Space 1999 and then seeing really so many almost replicated shots in Star Wars that you yeah. saw in Space 1999. It's, it, it, the, the breadth of influence is incredible. And so mum and I had a discussion and said, do we close things down and let it kind of roll on in the minds of the fans and that's it? Or do we do something positive yeah yeah and chose the latter you mean the head of the esa wasn't inspired by life force they were inspired by space 1999 Uh (laughs) the the guy at the esa was inspired by doppelganger or journey to the far side of the sun yeah Yeah. Uh, and he he said actually it's incredibly realistic representation of what space stuff is like now where everybody sits around a table and argues about things Uh, (laughs) well i have except of course for the parallel earth of course exactly. as far as, as far we, far know. As we know. know yeah 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 yeah, yeah. by the way i have to tell you i don't think rod roddenberry was that offended because you know he made it through uh rob burnett's bachelor party and if he could uh, uh get through that without being offended he doesn't get offended very easily um you you can't tease us with uh, telling us that you made a, yeah. an off-color joke without sharing what that joke oh, was okay well can, i just want to preface this 
by making sure there's some context okay i was trying to make light of this thing and my sense of humor perhaps of dealing with dark things i, I like to make a joke out of them and they called the panel something like um sci-fi past and sci-fi future it was really a dry title right. to as, say the least <laughs> as they were about to welcome us on stage and we were about to, about to go up the steps i just let in and said hey they should have called this the dead dad's club <laughs> now <laughs> i know maybe reporting that back to you doesn't sound so good i was just you know trying to make life situation but they both turned to me and gave me <laughs> a glare shall we say uh and i've never forgiven myself and now oh, i've just well, outed myself with that look, joke so. forgive yourself it's a good joke <laughs> it's a good joke and i'm sure rod appreciated adam doesn't have a great sense of humor but i'm sure that uh, i'm sure that dead rod enjoyed it and oh, uh, i think yeah we can all you know look the fact that you know again it's like you 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 made part of your life's work preserving the legacy of your father i think you're allowed to make those kind of jokes exactly. I, I would hope so but uh yeah i mean it hasn't, it hasn't stopped me saying inappropriate things so it clearly didn't affect me that much <laughs> <laughs> well you and then you built this company you know well i gotta ask first i mean one of the first creative endeavors that you got into it was interesting was not an Anderson property. It was Doctor Who that you, uh, <laughs> so, which to the best of my knowledge, your dad had nothing to do with. So um, what, what was the, um, you know, how, what you got you into Doctor Who? And then sort of how did you kind of get into your father's shows? And and then, you know, how do you take those and, and grow them in today's environment? Wow. Um, yeah, what, well, what was what was your journey of forty years, and uh, su make it all succinct into five minutes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, Let's... I'll, I'll do it in four. Uh, so, <laughs> I can do it in yeah. three. Oh, okay, Mark, over <laughs> to you. No, so uh, I mean, Doctor Who. Yeah, Dad, Dad was not a big fan of of, of Doctor Who, or me being a fan of Doctor Who. And um, <laughs> there's a there's a documentary called uh, More Than Thirty Years in the TARDIS from from around the thirtieth anniversary, and we were on that, and he is sat with me on a on a sofa being interviewed and he said the greatest tragedy of my life is that my son jamie is and he looks at me and i say a doctor who fan <laughs> i was eight by the way i didn't do a weird voice in it oh, that's lovely uh, uh and it, that has come back to haunt me so often uh because so many doctor who fans of a certain age have seen that and they will have been approached in random pubs uh, with guys just coming up to me going oh look it's the doctor who fan oh dear so oh, yeah i i i pay i paid a prize for for being a, a doctor who fan but i think it was my one of my aunts that bought me a vhs tape of day of the daleks which was called the day of the daleks incorrectly on that vhs copy uh <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I just watched it repeatedly. I just loved it. This kind of the the, the time travel idea, the going back to kind of mess up the, the normal timeline blew my little tiny four or five year old mind. And then I got another copy, which had Tom Baker as the doctor suddenly uh, might have been Genesis of the Daleks, which is quite a terrifying intro to tom baker's era for a five or six year old absolutely and then the the change of main character was just so fascinating to me so i had this growing growing shelf of doctor who vhs tapes alongside thunderbirds captain scarlet stingray terror hawks and i did watch them all to be fair i just didn't quite like the anderson shows as much as doctor who, but i didn't know 
I didn't know dad had anything to do with them at that point. Mm, and it was only many years later that mum pointed these, pointed these things out to me and said, your, your father made those, but it, you don't know as a kid, anything about TV production. You don't realize that there's hundreds of people making these things or that there's a, you know, a producer or a showrunner making it happen. You just think it kind of exists really. Um, and so I, I, it, it, Initially, I thought that she meant he made the physical things, the you know, the cases, right, the tapes, yeah. done the art, and you know, made the tapes. Um, and then Thunderbirds had a resurgence in the UK in 1991, and yeah. suddenly my friends were watching the show, and their parents were bringing in annuals to be signed by my dad. My, you know, my friends and their parents thought my dad was cool which is really weird <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> because and... everybody knows their parents are not cool. Exactly. So. Yeah. so there was a very, very limited period where my, my dad was cool to me and others where I went to the set of space precinct that they were making in the, in the mid nineties, which is for, for any listeners, most listeners, almost all listeners who won't know the show was kind of Hill street blues in space. Essentially. Oh, as you know, uh, I'm a big space precinct fan. So I, I well, can never well, hear enough about it. All the best people are obviously. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it was that was you know incredibly exciting, and and so my love of Doctor Who stayed all throughout my life, and my love of what Dad was doing, mm -hmm. even if I didn't necessarily love every single show, stayed there throughout my life. So there was did he love every there. single show? I bet he didn't. That he made. Mm -hmm. God, I think he I think he hated every single one in a myriad ways. <laughs> you know. His his outlook on life and production and creation was we do this project. When the project is done, it it's shut away. It goes yeah. in the bin essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're on to the next one. So there was no there was no kind of continuity in his mind. They were all very siloed. Yeah. And when they got to the end of production, all he could see at the the work he'd done were the faults, the things that right that weren't good enough, the things they wish they could have done better, they the things that, you know, in his mind, that he had a kind of a, a triple A vision for how everything should look. And so if they only hit A or double A, he was disappointed. But that's and the that's sign of, that's the sign of great creatives. Great creatives Absolutely. are never satisfied with what they do. Absolutely. Ever. So yeah. that's, uh, that's lovely. It, it's interesting because Rod, you know, was a real like, you know, sort of rebellious kid, as most of us, you know, are. And then, um, you know, he his father was fairly old when, you know, he finally, you know, we finally came around and discovered Star Trek. His father had kind of passed. So a lot of his exploration of of Star Trek and sort of discovering how much his father meant to people was after he had passed away. So did you have the benefit of getting to talk with your father about um, these shows and his creative process and what he was thinking and, and uh, you know, when he was alive, I, because I know, you know, the story goes that he discouraged you from getting in the show business. He, he very actively discouraged me. Um, I mean, I'll keep things clean, but he basically said, uh, you know, the whole industry is full of, a-holes essentially yeah uh he said a lot worse than that uh and um that if he, if i tried to get into the industry he would make sure that every door was slammed in my face now that sounds a bit harsh but i know in hindsight that it was a, in a kind of protective way you know if you get high enough in any industry you're going to meet those unpleasant mm -hmm. people because you know with unpleasantness often comes an ability to climb up and you know fight your way there and 
kill every everyone who gets in your way essentially uh and he came across quite a few of those and didn't want me to go through the same which i completely understand but he was you know he was born in 1929 so yeah. mm. uh, and and mum describes him as you know quite a victorian parent so he wasn't a big talker i heard a lot of stuff because i would accompany him to interviews and um you know on radio and tv and just be kind of sat around and and, and absorb things that way obviously going to the studios and absorbing things there so on space precinct i would have been 10 years old and i spent a huge amount of time in the creature shop sat mm. between um christine glanville who was one of the lead puppeteers on on thunderbirds and worked with dad for decades and decades and richard gregory who was uh, uh, an, an incredible uh, creative creature builder machine builder he did the um, the tumbler for chris nolan for the dark knight sure. uh he did creatures for walking with dinosaurs you know both incredible people who would then feed stories of dad and the work they'd done with him so a lot of the stuff was by osmosis but actually it's not until really recently when we made a documentary about dad called jerry anderson the life uncharted mm -hmm. that i've actually been able to really dig into stuff and you know why he did what he did why he behaved the way he did and the things that inspired him and drove him to create this stuff and mm -hmm. you know so it's nearly 10 years since he died and i'm still learning about him uh, certainly weekly um which is quite an amazing thing to do and, and a privilege i mean it's it's you know people can see it one of two ways right you know if you once a parent's gone or a loved one's gone you, you you kind of allow them to live in the background and it's up to you whether you keep them there and access that when you want to or whether it's constantly in your face day in day out and i'm in the latter camp and uh it seems to work for me i think well a lot of parents remain an enigma to their kids but you know you're you know your archaeology exploring you know the past you know and obviously there's so much of a public record between the interviews and then the documentation and it's interesting you you know the same thing happened with rod when he did his movie trek nation i think it was where that was his way of like sort of going back in time and reconnecting with his father after he passed away and that yeah. you did a film as well and found out all these things and met these people who knew him and i bet it was like rashomon where everybody had different perspectives on him it was really interesting to watch interviews and to hear fresh ones, you know, happen. We 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 went for everybody who'd worked with Dad um, from the very beginning. You know, our oldest interview interviewee was a hundred at the point he was interviewed, and he'd worked with Dad from 1955, 1956, and known him his entire life, through to Dad's children from his first marriage, um, who obviously he had essentially abandoned and hearing the the genuine reflections that they had right. through to people who worked with him right up to the end uh who some of whom he remained friends with and some of whom he he cut out of his life mm -hmm. um so it was very challenging to hear uh but also quite amazing actually particularly my sisters my my from dad's first marriage i'm the product of the third marriage um hearing so many behavioral things about him and the way he was as a parent that remained unchanged right. between <laughs> you know that they were born in the 1950s i was born in the 80s and his parenting across those three marriages remained pretty consistent <laughs> for good or for bad <laughs> well it's it's interesting because i know you know from my perspective uh i think uh, people in mark and my uh age range uh 
feel in a very strong way that uh, your parents were our parents in a strange way because of uh, how we grew up with just being exposed to the shows. Um, I have a photo of myself just going into kindergarten carrying a UFO uh, lunchbox. So <laughs> I was, I was exposed very early to this stuff and uh, absolutely loved it. And it's, uh, it's very interesting how sort of that connection is, uh, is constant. And uh, and how it uh, how it relates us to you in a very strange and distant way, but uh, uh, it's 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 tangible. Yeah, it is. I mean, his his personality I think bleeds through, particularly in UFO. There's so much yeah. of of Ed Straker, who was dad essentially. You know, a, a guy under a huge amount of pressure. Uh, leading a studio obviously Straker had another job as well right. uh, whose whose marriage at that time was falling apart uh, whose major passion was his only son and his either constant worry over that how this son might come to harm right those those are all direct things from his life to UFO and then to your life but at least he didn't uh, let you die that's right. no no that is you know he did a good job there uh, and he didn't have an office that was an elevator no, no, he, <laughs> he did insist on having ensuite uh, bathrooms put into all of his offices, though. So oh you know, he had his kind of uh, strakery uh, streak in him. That's uh, and and um, you know, it's funny that Darren mentions the lunchboxes because you know mm. people would think that in elementary school I had a Star Trek lunchbox, which is not true. I had a Space nineteen ninety nine lunchbox with the Dragon's Domain creature yeah, on it amazing. on the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That I'm, was. I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that your your lunchbox choices were top notch, both of you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the one thing you don't make because one thing that Anderson has done is uh, you 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 have such a diverse um, uh, and it keeps growing all this merchandise you've been doing to keep these I wouldn't say keep these franchises alive because clearly they were alive because there's a hunger for all this stuff. Yeah. Um, but you have really been active lately. Um, there's that you know beautiful as I the Moonbase Alpha technical manual. You now have the UFO technical manual coming out, and I've seen that Chris Thompson and and David and everybody have done an amazing job with that. Mm. Um, and of course you have uh, um, you know also um, the Terrahawks uh, and uh, and the collection of the um, comic books that you're doing. So I mean, but this is in addition to everything else you've done over the years, which is pretty extraordinary in the radio dramas. There's there's a lot going on, uh, and um, depending on how cynical you are uh, as you watch what Anderson Entertainment does, you'll either go, oh, look at them, those cash grabbers, it's disgusting, which some people do, and I completely defend their right to believe so. Um, but the rights for the shows are spread far and wide or were spread far and wide when dad died. And and one of the first things I wanted to do was to try to bring things together as much as possible, because, you know, there's a load of people out there who watched UFO and never watched another Anderson show again, or they watched Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet and they know nothing of anything else that exists. Right. And that seemed crazy to me. So the first five years really were spent building relationships, tracking down rights, making sure that we could try to bring things together as much as possible. Uh, now, ITV own the rights to the vast majority of the, the best known shows, shall we say. Right. So again, a huge amount of time has been spent building relationships there, gaining their trust to allow us from, you know, at the start, basically doing T-shirts and caps 
right. to now creating essentially new new fiction for these worlds and and that was that is really the the goal that has been the goal all this time was to work to a point where we're not just saying hey you remember dragon's domain here's a t-shirt with the dragon on it that'll right. keep you keep your fandom <laughs> fed right yeah yeah instead yeah. we want to say you love space 1999 here are some some brand new audio dramas so you can live this all over again or uh you're a terrorhawks fan well here are not only some new hd transfers a blu-ray for the very first time but also uh you know 24 new audio episodes with the original cast so you can keep enjoying it that way yeah. if you like firewall xl5 here are all the comics from the 60s plus a new linking comic strip which builds out the world and introduces thunderbirds all these things that i think are kind of essential to to keeping things going because it's all very well saying yeah they're out there you can watch it on streaming etc but as much it doesn't matter how much you love ufo or space 1999 or thunderbirds if you've only got 26 or 48 or 32 episodes whatever it is to watch and there's no other media there's no other world world building going on i feel like you can get kind of fandom fatigue mm -hmm. really. uh and and whereas whereas star wars has had a constant stream of stuff ups and downs marvel the same dc the same star trek the same there's always been new iterations there's been no consistency of new material for anderson stuff it's had a few sort of sputters and starts and stops over the years. And so that's what I really want to do is make sure if people want to enjoy this stuff and live in these worlds and revisit them, that there's stuff that they want to revisit and enjoy and, and re-engage with. And also if somebody's new to it, that they're not going, oh, here's some kind of fusty old show from 60 years ago. I'll go and watch that on YouTube and then forget it. I want them to to fall in love with it and to well, find a way to explore it. Part of the ability to do that are the amazing transfers that are available uh, specifically for Space 1999. Mm. They look brand new. Yeah. So it's uh, it's really a, a great tribute to the craftsmen that worked on the original that it is so well preserved, quote unquote. And uh, it's very exciting. I just had to tell you that um, when I was a kid and I would hear on the TV the ITC fanfare, uh, I would always rush to the TV hoping it was 1999, uh, and and when it sometimes turned out to be the Muppet Show, I was actually mm. disappointed. So, <laughs> <laughs> just to let you know, I'm I'm glad to hear that. It's totally understandable, though. I mean, Muppets versus Space 1999. I'm sure some Muppets fans would disagree. But now, if we'd time, had surely. a Muppet Space 1999, that would be something. And that's something that Lou Grade could have arranged at the Absolutely. time, I'm sure, but sadly didn't have the foresight to do. <laughs> yeah, forget pigs in space, pigs on the moon. Oh, pigs in space, 1999. You're there you that, go, right? exactly. I'd watch that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, so of the of the merger that you've done, and those beautiful um, soundtracks uh, as well, the soundtrack albums that have been phenomenal for, um, you know, Barry's brilliant music, Derek, and, and all that yeah. great stuff. Um, what what are some of the merchandise that you've done that you're most excited about? You know, and and why this renaissance now? I mean, again, it's it's. You know, it, it was a, a lot of it was getting the rights and and uh, yeah. convincing the rights holders that you could do justice. That's that's a huge part of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's just because, you know, in a, in a big corporate environment, it, you know, how much value realistically do you think a big corporation puts on some IP rights to some shows from the 70s and the, and the yeah. 60s when they've got big hitters out there? 
that are you know performing incredibly well for them these things get kind of pushed to one side and we've been very lucky that there have been a few people at itv who have been very very supportive and i think kind of share the the vision for what we're trying to do mm -hmm. um so a, a lot of it has been has been time really it's been a, a long a long game yeah. to try and get this and there's you know there's plans far beyond what we're doing now that i would love to do um and that will relies on this stuff working and continuing yeah. to build those relationships because there's you know i feel like there's a, there's been a huge lack of anderson-esque anderson style sci-fi for a de couple of decades really mm -hmm. you know the heavy lean into all things dystopian um things that don't necessarily rely on you know selfless teamwork right particularly uh tied in with all the ridiculous over-the-top gadgetry and silly secret organizations which really aren't that secret at all but they are right. secret um that there's there's a certain quirk to anderson stuff which i don't think really exists elsewhere but people love it and it's yeah. not just it's not just people like you guys who had your lunch boxes and were hooked from the point of your first dragon's domain or ufo sandwich yeah. but it, there's kids now discovering the show oh that's there's, great you know, I, I lived in a, a place a few years ago where my neighbor's kid, who was five at the time, had never seen Thunderbirds before. He was a real kind of fidgety kid, couldn't focus on anything. His mum put an episode of Thunderbirds on for him, and he stood four feet away from the TV for the whole 50 minutes, 5-0, completely transfixed by this show from 1965. Yeah. And there's something about the the visuals, the design aesthetic, the the voice work from the characters, the stories, and the the overall the aim of the, of, of the groups, the teams in those in those stories that I think is just really captivating and should be continued if at all possible. Yeah, and and look, I think it's important to say because you know people at home are going to think to themselves, well, why aren't they doing more Space 99? Why aren't they doing more UFO? Why aren't they doing more Thunderbirds? And of course, it's the same situation, you know, with Star Trek. You know, the studio owns the IP, you know, not Roddenberry, you know, and he's been able to put out some stuff and have a relationship with them to do certain things. Same thing with you. You have a very um, positive and, and, and fruitful relationship, but it's not you know, yours to do. I mean, I, I, I've spoken in the past about this that, you know, I've, I've met with ITV about, you know, trying to get something going with space 1999 UFO. And, you know, the reality is there's some very nice people there, but they make a fortune on unscripted and some other stuff and they just don't see the immediate value to doing anything with it. And, you know, it, it's a shame because obviously I think that, you know, if Jamie were in a position to do something, you know, this could be a very viable franchise again. I mean, there's such a hunger. And we've seen, you know, the return of Battlestar Galactica and the return of um, yep. Star Trek and the return of so many of these, uh, uh, you know, great franchises from the 60s and 70s with a new spin. Um, and yep. uh, I just think that, you know, there's so much in that catalog of your father's that, uh, you know, is rife for redevelopment. It's just, oh, uh, you know... People we, are hungry we, for it. We and we've got the plans, we've got the people, we've got the passion for it. Um, so you know, and I think it is just a matter of time before we do get to a position of being able to do something. Um, and then you know, imagine that the amazing resource of creatives all over the world who, right, who grew up are, on are, this are active in 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 TV, film, etc. Right now, who would just love to get involved with this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's something amazing waiting to happen. I just, I just hope that the powers that be don't wait too long. 
Yeah, and it's amazing when you think of all the years you've had to reflect on what worked about these shows and what didn't work about these shows. So mm-hmm. there's a real chance to sort of, uh, you know, just completely do it right. You know, I mean, and not even reinvent it, but just to, you know, really figure out, you know, how to do this for, you know, modern audience in a yep. really compelling way. But certainly shows maybe less so the UFO, but Space 1999, as you said, has been a huge influence on people in many ways and on Star Trek. I mean, you know, we talked yeah. about how Star Trek, the motion picture was influenced by Space 1999 yeah. and Next Generation in particular was influenced. People may not articulate that, but you can see the the aesthetic and and um, the storytelling. And, and there's probably no creepier show in the history of TV sci-fi tv than you know uh space 1999 no i, I totally agree and uh, you know i i know that rod uh rod's dad and and mine met at pinewood studios and and drank the vast majority of a bottle of whiskey <laughs> no uh, <and> yes <laughs> uh, they, had, they had a great time together and i there's no there's no record there's no notes there's no recording so oh to be a fly on the wall at that meeting of minds what what would what was said and maybe with some sort of some nudging and some cultivating what might have happened possibly collaboratively um you know what you i know. think that's a that's a good idea to come up with a uh a a, a, a drama version of that well of radio that drama or a play one minute one act play what do you think darren you think gene would be up for it you know, I really think that uh, Gene would be uh, very happy with uh, talking about the wonderful time he spent with uh, Mr. Anderson. I think <laughs> I think that uh, everyone would love to, uh, as you say, be a fly on the wall. Amazing. <laughs> as long as we have a bottle of whiskey Gene. for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you what, I've, I've got several uh, just next door, so... Uh, I... I, 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 so I think we have our, our, our one-act play, The Dead Dad's Club, and... Uh, <laughs> I've really wanted to know this uh, since the uh, since the film came out. But what is your reaction to Team America World Police? Uh, where's the hang up button on this? <laughs> <laughs> so my reaction, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, and I, you know, I, I kind of value it for what it what it was. Yeah. Um, there's this kind of prevailing view that it was somehow uh, paying homage to thunderbirds and it absolutely was not no uh, but it know, was but... it was showing a tremendous love well, for thunderbirds the, the people working on on it i yes. think you know building the puppets uh, and the props and the guys oh no i've spoken to a few guys who worked worked on the show in you know the art department etc and absolutely for them that was like payback but for but for Matt and Trey, uh, that was not a kind of oh we love Thunderbirds we've got to do something like that. I think this was a kind of seen creepy quirky clips of that weird puppet show. That would be the craziest way to do this thing. <laughs> and they they reached out to Dad to mm-hmm. to have a, a conversation with him, and uh, his his producer Mark Sherwood took the call and said, Jerry, these guys are pretty big actually. They want to have a chat with you because South Park was huge at the time. Yeah, and. Um, uh, he had no idea who they were, so he he bought a South Park DVD. Oh yeah, that uh, couldn't have been good. I, well, I came in from school and uh, found my seventy-something-year-old father sitting down watching South Park, which is a very strange experience. Oh, my goodness! And uh, he just turned to me and said, "If you watch this, what, what <laughs> the bloody hell are they saying? I can't understand a word of it." 
Um, and he, he disliked it so much that he didn't bother returning their call, which is rather sad. Um, and then when he watched it, he watched up to the the vomiting scene in the alleyway, which is very early right. in the film yes. uh, and, and turned off and um, couldn't watch anymore. <laughs> so he was not a fan. I I enjoyed it for what it was, but I can see how to him it was a, a little bit of a maybe a, a middle finger. In Understandable. Some Understandable. But uh, <laughs> you know, it was a, a curiosity of mine. Yeah. You, you pointed out that you know you got uh, uh, you know that that contingent of whiners that say oh they're you know out for the money. Uh, but I think I think it's really important to point out how um, involved you've been in philanthropy as well. You know, particularly with the Alzheimer's Foundation and cancer charities, and that's uh, that's a really you know obviously um, you know. So 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 very important, and you're somebody who's putting his you know money where his mouth is as well. <laughs> well, I would like to think so. I mean, in terms of the the business, we reinvest every penny um, into into doing new stuff, and a lot of it is free stuff, so that people can find more about Anderson, you know, YouTube channel, etc. But you're you're right. The the, the Alzheimer's side uh, is is really important because he he really probably had the first symptoms of Alzheimer's as early as 2002, 2003. Mm -hmm. um, and, and after that point still made yet another TV show. Uh, he made new captain Scarlet in 2005 and was still working, but clearly becoming more and more unwell. And then he, you know, he was cared for by mum full time for the last few years of his life. And, you know, he wasn't someone who looked back and celebrated what he did mm. along the way, as we've already discussed. You know, the people yeah. siloed, something's done, forget it. Yeah. He, you know, he because of fans and their response, he would occasionally feel sort of gratified, I guess, by people's love for the shows. But he didn't spend a lot of time looking back and th he never thought, I've done well, I've succeeded, I've achieved. It was just... I have failed was his kind of mantra. Mm. But to then see the Alzheimer's strip even that away yeah was a, the kind of ultimate cruelty that this this guy has it, it, through his mind has created this stuff which has entertained millions tens of millions maybe hundreds of millions of people over the years and now that has been stolen in the most cruel way um and i took a, a parker puppet it was the one of the most well-known caricatured puppet characters from thunderbirds yeah. uh into his room at the the care home that he ended up at and he had absolutely no recollection of that character. And he must have told the story of how that character was developed and how the voice was found hundreds of times in his career, much more actually, and, and it meant nothing to him. Uh, so, my, so my heart breaks for you because uh, that's how my father went too. And but it's a familiar it's, story, isn't it? It's that's so thing, familiar though. and it's so heartbreaking. And yeah. uh, uh, thank you for your, uh, for your contributions to the uh, effort. Well, it's it's his really because I, I it's certainly in the UK I credit his coming out about his Alzheimer's as a, a major turning point in the British kind of awareness of mm. of what Alzheimer's and dementia was because there was a very much a thing here where it was kind of brushed under the carpet and sort of oh you know dementia's just you know the sweet old ladies sat in chairs in the corner that's all nobody really spoke about the the grim side of it and he you know he put aside his pride. Uh, and the chance of ever working again to to do something which had a, a much uh, more profound effect for the greater good. So clearly that really to me is just as important a part of his legacy as any of the shows. Yeah. Yeah. And if people want to make a donation who are listening to which, which foundation do you like, you throw uh, your support behind? 
Alzheimer's Society in the UK is our main one. Obviously, that's not so mm-hmm. great for your US listeners. But if you'd like to send some some dollars across the pond, particularly the dollars <laughs> doing so tremendously yeah, against well the pound right, right now. now. Yep, that's uh, right. It goes much it further. Exactly, it goes further in the UK. So it's Alzheimer's.org.uk. Um, and if you want to make it in his name, then fantastic. Uh, that's uh, always a lovely thank you. And we do we do a little um, campaign each each Boxing Day uh on the 26th of december which is the day he died to just you know see if we can top up that fund a little bit if you've ever enjoyed an anderson thing then that's a great way to say thanks yeah i was in uh, europe uh, a couple of weeks ago and um I, I quite enjoyed the fact that the dollar was so strong against the euro and the pound <laughs> but uh yes yeah, so the rarity... prime minister did a real favor for you there Mark. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah made, me, made my else. trip very uh very 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 yeah so um i know it's hard to you know and, and they're all your children in a way uh all these shows uh um or relatives i should say yes. but uh what um do you have a favorite it is it's really tough because my, my first love my first anderson love growing up was terror hawks which is mm-hmm. one of the lesser known and lesser loved and more despised of the anderson shows by some corners of fandom but it's sort of it was almost a point where dad kind of let go and there's so much about that show which is about him in so many ways because it, much like ed straker in ufo the leader of the terror hawks is this grumpy slightly out of touch older man who doesn't get on very well with people and is under lots of pressure and is saved from his own sort of uh cruelty and uh, and ignorance perhaps by his number two his second in command mary faulkner clearly named after my mum mary uh and and so there's a lot in there which kind of makes me smile in a well that's that's dad, that's mum. And there's even a little baby android called Itstar who turns up, uh, who was written in not long after my birth, which I like to think is me. Although it is a scheming uh, German scientist android, so <laughs> that's less flattering. <laughs> uh, so yeah, T- Hawks is, I, I just enjoy it. You just to watch it in the right frame of mind. It's, um, you know, it's sci-fi comedy, but obviously, you know, Th- Thunderbirds is always going to stick out as well, uh, particularly because of its 90s resurgence. And that opening episode uh with uh, with the fire flash landing with its without its landing gear absolutely um, is so strong iconic such a brilliant it is it's it's an amazing piece of television and so thunderbirds will always kind of remain the the jewel in the crown that way well we would be remiss if we didn't give you a chance before we go to plug all the great stuff you have coming up at anderson <laughs> so we'll we'll turn the floor floor over to you but what what are you most excited about that's coming uh coming for fans in the next couple of months in the next couple of months, I guess the UFO technical manual is is a big one. So we 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 do it. We try to aim for a couple of threads of of uh, product and publishing, right? So stuff that means that you can live more in the universe that you enjoy watching. Mm-hmm. So the, the Moonbase Alpha technical operations manual, where you know if you want to know where the Moonbase Alpha canteen is, then off you go. And equally, if you want to fly an eagle, then you better read the instructions that are provided for you in the book. So the UFO manual is great, and Chris Thompson, who does the illustrations that has done uh, and, and writes it, in fact, has done a, an absolutely astonishing job there. Um, and we recently had a concert in in uh, Birmingham in the UK back in April, Standby for Action. We had a 55-piece orchestra that played all the tunes 
all the themes from 1955, which was Twizzle, which nobody's really seen. <laughs> wow. Lots of I mean, people remember it yeah. right all the way through, you know, all the big hitters, Thunderbird, Stingray, Scarlet, UFO, Space 1999, massive Terrorhawk suite, which went down beautifully right through nice. to New Captain Scarlet in 2005. Um, and it was a huge, huge undertaking, but we recorded it. And the, the soundtrack has just come out. The DVD and Blu-ray are out very, very shortly. And watching that back um, was actually pr probably one of the, the most emotive projects that we've undertaken. Oh, because like because music means so much to people, doesn't it? You, you know, yeah. if you want to encapsulate Thunderbirds or Space 1999, play that Barry Gray track oh, and you'll God. instantly have vis visuals in your mind of, Eagles flying, mostly crashing. That's uh, right. You know, but Barbara and Martin looking incredibly dramatic, uh, <laughs> and all those things. The music does does so much. So yeah, that 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 concert and the fact that we we're able to kind of spread that beyond the sold out audience who heard it is a really lovely thing. Uh, that's lovely. I and I if still, we're I still have my one six scale uh, uh, nineteen ninety nine figures on order, so I'm looking forward to whenever they <laughs> whenever they make it to the mainland here. Whenever they arrive, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say. If we're the uh, the Trek experts, then there probably uh, is no greater Anderson spurt than David Hirsch. And I guess you're doing a lot with him. And of course, I remember his columns with your dad very fondly yes. in the back of Starlog magazine. But um, uh, you've got some cool stuff happening with David as well. I David and Robert's book. Yeah, maybe, yeah. The, maybe there, which is fantastic. It's like the parallel universe of Space 1999, where they've gone back to the, the draft script and the scripts that never made it and all the things right. that were rejected, novelized them. So you can basically see from its genesis where the show might have gone if it had if it had gone down any of these draft routes i don't think there's i don't from. think there's ever been a, a book that is more meta yes and, and how perfect for space 1999 <laughs> than this I mean, we should have just called it meta really but <laughs> David and robert were insistent on maybe there and i think that that's the title that it's works, a it's a good so. one that's, that's great. That's great. Well, and people can find all this at Anderson.com or Anderson. Jerry, JerryAnderson.com. That's Jerry with a G. Yep. JerryAnderson.com. JerryAnderson.com. Uh, yeah. And there's, there's content and freebies and all sorts there. And, you know, whether you want to kind of fill up your wardrobe or fill up your bookshelf or your, your DVD library or your Blu-ray library or get into audio drama, whatever. Um, there's all sorts of stuff and loads more coming as well. There's, there's some great stuff planned for the next the next four years. So, oh, fantastic. Um, yeah, the pipeline's pretty full. Lovely. Well, this episode was delightful. And <laughs> uh, it's always good to see you. And uh, I'm, I'm so glad we had a chance to to, to chat. Um, and uh, we'll have to do it again when you start uh, announcing some more product. And uh, one well, day, hopefully, we will see new iterations of some of these remarkable shows as well when, which would be when fantastic the, when the first thing for the small or the big screens announced then uh, I'm, I'm straight back and you won't be able to stop me <laughs> fantastic well it's thanks. good to see you jamie thanks, thanks for everything so much jamie thanks both okay that was great now <laughs> darren here's the thing yeah that's ashley's line sorry ashley i'm stealing your lines right. um we got to do this. This he could be the voice of Jerry Anderson, and yeah. you would be Roddenberry, and yeah. do the day that Gene Roddenberry and Jerry Anderson met. It's could a, you it's imagine sci-fi summit? The sci right, the ultimate sci-fi summit. They they said that about George Lucas and Gene when they met, but this is it's even the, it's the Alta Yalta. The Alta Yalta. Oh my God, that's hysterical. <laughs> that's better than the Dead Dad's Club. Um.
you know, um, yeah, we gotta we gotta do this somehow. somehow. We gotta do it. Because he sounds like his dad. He does. He sounds, and you, uh, and obviously we have Gene on speed dial here at the Trexperts. So great beyond. I think that would be one step beyond. And I think (laughs) that would be so, uh, so awesome um, to do. Well, because we also have a George Lucas in the waiting too. That's true. My God, Jerry Anderson, George Lucas, and Gene. Wow. This, this, this smells like Comic-Con to me. Well, but no, that's a that's a much bigger smell. No, I mean in a good way. I don't mean in a <laughs> oh, I don't mean way. in a I don't oh, mean in the, a like don't use deodorant way. I mean uh, I mean no, no, I mean like this could be something really cool that we could do. Perhaps perhaps you're right. The ultimate you know, I mean I know it was really cool when Gene Roddenberry met Paul McCartney, but he wasn't really a Beatles fan, didn't know much about McCartney. This is different. Well, and of course, you know, I was there when Gene Roddenberry met George Lucas. Well, as was I. We but both we didn't were. know each other. We had no idea, no idea who was in the crowd. That one day we would become fast crowd. friends and co-podcast hosts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was incredible. <laughs> that was the creation tenth anniversary of Star Wars. Yep. Could yep. you imagine if we knew now what we knew then? No, oh, if we no. knew then what we know now, I think I would have gone. <laughs> it was a, <laughs> it was amazing because Star Tours had just opened. Yes, and it was. It was a, ma- a magic resurgence of Star Wars because Star Wars had been dead for a few years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was it was so amazing to see these uh, these giants of sci fi uh, meet on stage with Charlie Lippincott and uh, uh, Adam Malin. And, uh, you know, it was it was magical. That was my first time that I ever came to Los Angeles. Um, I went to the Star Wars convention Went to Disneyland, went on Star right, Tours, right. just and then and then came back and and toured Los Angeles and had the greatest greatest time. And I like MacArthur, I said I will return to this place again, or well, that, I guess like like Kirk, Kirk in Star that. Trek Macar- Two. MacArthur yeah. said I will. I will, I will return. return. But- yes, I will return. <laughs> That's right. Wouldn't have been as poetic for That's Kirk right. to say that. I will return. Um, <laughs> I will return, but, um, but it was, uh, it was, that was a really special convention. I mean, seeing Gene and George together, um, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty awesome. Remember it was down by the airport. Yeah. 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 It was at the, uh, the Stouffer's concourse. Yeah. Yeah. That place was packed. Yep. yep. Yeah. That was it's the f- same. It's the same place that they shot, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, Christopher Walken uh, video uh, where he's <laughs> flying around. Uh, that's the same place. It, look, it, it was it was a, a, an amazing time for me too because I had a videotape of the Empire Strikes Quack. Oh yes, uh, the the mashup between Duck Dodgers and Star Wars that uh, my uh, friend Chuck Michael and I put together, and we were able to wrangle from the USC Cinema School a video player and uh, and TV to put up uh, next to their booth, and we played it nonstop. And uh, seeing Irvin Kirshner and Gary Kurtz in the audience laughing at this was <laughs> amazing. Oh, and that's so great. It was so such great. a magical time. What's, a, what's amazing is I, I'm sure I stopped and watched it. You probably. Did. I'm sure I saw it, but little did I know the great Darren Dockerman was behind <laughs> little it. Little did you know the uh, the how I've built this great empire. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> little did I know that one day there would be a show 
called Andor, which would restore my lost That's hope right. in Star Wars. That's right. Because, of course, you know, I was not a Jedi fan. So at that point, we only had Star Wars and Empire. And then on the other side, we had Return of the Jedi, the Ewok specials, and the holiday special. So already I was a little worried about Star Wars. But, you know, it was like... Little did I know years was, from then. It was a dark time for the rebellion. Be watching. It was a dark time for the rebellion. Ten years. Yeah. I mean, and now we're approaching 50. Oh my God. Isn't that crazy? Doesn't that make you feel old? Well, lots of things make me feel old. Yeah. That that adds to it. I wonder, you know, I'm sure there's gonna be a huge 50th anniversary of Star Wars convention. Maybe they'll screen the um the original uh version of it like they did at the Academy a few months ago. Who knows? But yeah. we we still have a few years away for that. We yeah, have five more years. years. Five more years. That's yeah. nothing. Yeah, I know. Oh no, you God. know what else is coming up? The 60th anniversary of Star Trek. Oh my God! And people keep asking me, "You're going to do a new book? You're going to do a new Star Trek book?" And I'm like, "God, no." <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I I feel like the two volumes of the 50 year mission say it all. Say it all. The only book I would do on Star Trek, you know, a book I would do, I would do an Inglorious Trexperts book. I would do Inglorious Trexperts book where you and I could muse on um, the franchise and maybe include some of the great interviews we've done. That's true. Um, for uh, for posterity, um, that that would be interesting to me. But I'm I'm not interested in doing Volume Three of the Fifty Year Mission. Um, right. I'm I'm kind of done. You know, we kind of we it ends on the JJ uh, things, and um, you it's know there are other. Who speaks for the Trexperts? Yeah, exactly. Who speaks <laughs> for the Trexperts? But I do think, I, you know, look, I think there's probably an interesting book to be written about uh, Star Trek post uh, uh, 50-year mission, but uh, I'm not the guy to do it. Right. Other people can do it and do a fine job. Absolutely. Do a fine job. So, unfortunately, I knew too much about where the bodies are buried, and I just don't want We're to. very comfortable right here. That's <laughs> Dr. Jones. We're very comfortable right here. <laughs> and soon you will become part of this. Part of this collection. collection. Yes. What a oh my God. your life's fandom. Well, I'm so glad that we had uh, we had Jamie on the show. Um, it was fun. Do you have a favorite Anderson show? Oh, absolutely. I, I'm Space 1999 all the way. Yeah. I you know it's funny. I love UFO. I really love UFO. I love the idea of UFO. I love the idea of UFO. I love the idea of UFO. The execution, the, the execution it could be done is, better. It's a little bit very English. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And also it's just like it's such a great concept. And I just feel like that was the one, you know, not to tell tales out of school across the streams, talk too much about non-podcast stuff. But when I pitched ITV, you know, I went to him, I was really pushing doing a UFO show more in space, yeah. space in space 1999, because I felt like, like that's a show that could really benefit from mm-hmm. the new storytelling and, and the, because the idea is so great. You know, space thing. The execution was great. The idea was a little flawed, but the execution was great. So, um, I I don't know. I would have to say space nineteen ninety nine too. You know, I'm not. I I admire Thunderbirds and all that early. You know, the Supermarionation. I admire it. It's fun. It's yeah, unbounded fun. And I just you know. I, I, we've talked about this before. I mean, back in the day, Alan Spencer would call up and we'd watch Space Precinct over the phone. It was like when Harry met Sally when they're watching Casablanca. <laughs> hopefully different. Yeah, we were watching Space Precinct <laughs> together. And Alan was just hysterical just oh. talking about Space Precinct. But um, it was just so, it was like, we couldn't believe it existed. We couldn't believe a show like Space Precinct existed. Yeah. And it was so much fun. And so, so, so wackadoodle. And in, the, in all the best ways, it yeah. was wackadoodle. 
So anyway, but Jamie's a great guy. I'm so glad, you know, I'm so glad that both him and Rod turned out so well because yeah. we know what happens to um, the kids of well-to-do successful uh, people. And that's not, um, not good. And they're both just so down to earth, and yep. and 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 the the legacy of their fam of their p- fathers are so important, you know. And of course, you know, obviously Sylvia Anderson too. Sylvia was not, um, uh, um, not Jamie's dad uh, mother, but you know, it's partially her legacy as well, of sure. course. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah, so it's interesting though that the 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 Roddenberry story and the Anderson story about the first wives is so similar. Right. You know, that the daughters who, you know, were sort of not in the picture anymore, yeah. um, which is kind of sad, but um, well, who is, now, who for, it's not for us to judge. Exactly. Well, ne- next week, we're going to have uh, Paul Atreides talking about his father, the Duke Leto. Uh, <laughs> Remember the tooth. <laughs> Finish off our trilogy. That's uh, right. Who else? Who else can we? Who else can we get? It was the the, the son or daughter of Bruce Lansbury talking well, about. We can have uh, Luke Skywalker talk about Anakin, I suppose. I interviewed um, one but... of the sons of Glenn Larson for the so "Say We All" book. Ah. He was a nice guy, interesting guy. I, there is one of the sons uh, who is I, I who does I think the Facebook page, and and he talks about like Knight Rider and Battlestar Galactic, and he's he's very much into the. Um, uh, legacy of his dad, mm. but uh, I think we're, I think we're done with it. Maybe for Father's Day, we should find somebody else, uh, uh, one of the <laughs> one of the sons of uh, these legendary um, creators. By the sons of Warvan, <laughs> we, we shall be avenged. <laughs> I shall avenge you. <laughs> Joachim and uh, Khan. Uh, we can have them talk, yeah. You know, I mean, the 40th anniversary of uh, the 40th uh, anniversary of Star Trek Two is almost over, and we we really did not do what we did with Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Star Trek: The Motion Picture, like every month, we had like a really amazing episode about the motion picture. I mean, like yeah. where we would just parse everything about it. And I mean, well, I'm so we, proud of that. We, we didn't really paid, do that with Star Trek Two. We did a couple we of good paid episodes to it in accordance with its budget. <laughs> yeah i guess that's true i guess that's true Plus, you know i mean look, look star trek 2 always got tons of attention yeah that's true that's true and, and it's been uh it's been done by many more people than us and yeah i think we've covered we covered no the scripts and we had nick no on and we speak for the motion picture yeah that's that's true that's a good point um how's the uh how's the uh the 4k doing any you hear anything it's amazing yeah. But, uh, apparently, it's selling out everywhere. Oh, that's so it's, great! It's become a uh, a rare thing, and uh, I think that's astonishing. Of course, uh, just recently, it uh, it appeared on HBO Max, and uh, they're still figuring out uh, how to label it because uh, they originally had both versions, both called Star Trek: The Motion Picture, with no. Uh, identification of the oh my director's gosh. edition. Uh, at this point, it's still called the director's cut, which of course is not the title of the of the movie. So they're figuring it out as we speak. It's right. uh, you know, it's uh, the uh, state of the art of uh, not knowing how to. Wow, do, it's so simple. Uh, it should be Star Trek: The Motion Picture, original theatrical version in parentheses. Star Trek: The yeah. Motion Picture, director's edition in parentheses. Yeah. Very simple, not hard to figure out. You would think. Yeah, it took me two seconds. <laughs> you, yeah, you would think, but of course, you know, Star Trek being on HBO Max alone is bizarre. You know, it's like 
we, we're, we're Paramount Plus. We're the home of Star Trek. Come, come, where we have all the Star Trek. That lasted for a month. You really well, had all the Star Trek. <laughs> a, a little, a little more than a month. Okay, but, maybe uh, a few you know, months. Look, I understand because uh, obviously they get paid more for it being on HBO Max. Absolutely, they, they license it out Paramount to other. Plus. And mm -hmm. you know, while they are able to do that with the quote older films, I think that's great, and they should make as much money as they can from them. Well, hopefully, more people will watch them. Because more people have HBO Max and Paramount Plus. Although it does amaze me when people say, oh, I can't find uh, Star Trek II anywhere or whatever. It's not on Paramount. It's like, it's on Blu-ray and DVD. It's everywhere. Everywhere. How could you not? I mean, it's like, how could you not own? How could you be a fan and not own these movies? You're waiting for it to, on streaming. It's like, it's a, seriously? It's a, world. it's a new world, Mark. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't get it. I have no... I, I, I find that absurd um yeah. by the way uh you saw that pluto pluto tv is going to be adding a second star a trek. second star trek channel yeah. which is going to show it's the only one you need the original at deep space nine that's it that's well, all I, I need i think i think they're going to show uh they're going to show the remastered version of TOS. Of, uh, of tos oh yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing. I got a question for you. And I think we should have Bill Hunt on again to talk about the future of Star Trek on home video. Do you think uh, there will be, I think inevitably, um, the original Star Trek on 4K, and they'll have to go back to the original effects and not use the, they, you can't use the new effects. They're not, they're not high res enough. Yeah. I don't know. I, they should. Because but... you have the technology where you could clean that up now where you could use the original effects. You could, or at least, you know, produce effects that look exactly like them. Yeah, um, but they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. Uh, so I, who knows? I, I think that, uh, I think that unfortunately they are happy with the status quo and I don't think they're going to want to go into 4k for those shows, uh, much like they don't want to go into high def for uh, deep space nine. I mean, it's amazing that deep space nine and Voyager don't exist um as 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 in high def yeah i mean talk about i mean we've had this conversation it's a much longer conversation but it's just like as we get further and further down the line you see very few standard def things anymore right on on streaming or on anything for that matter look um, they're, they're if it if it's going to advance any further they're probably going to use some of uh, the technology for ai up resing yeah i would guess it's not going to look good, but yep. they'll think it's fine. Um, I agree. Because yeah. TVs now are very unforgiving. So you, yeah. you're watching standard def. Like I throw on an old DVD that's not on Blu-ray or something. It's unwatchable now. Yeah. I yeah. mean, That's the um, sad part. The technology has advanced so much in a very few years uh, that uh, what we were used to back in the day is not good. Yeah. Um, but I, I do like, you know, look, people saying, well, you're just saying you like physical media. Why do you care about Pluto? Here's the thing. Of course, I own all this stuff. I have all this stuff. But there's something fun about there's watching on TV. something fun about watching it at the same time as someone else. Yeah. And also the randomized factor. It's like, exactly. you know, you don't know what you're going to get. It's like a box of chocolates, right? right. So uh, someone else makes the decision. So maybe you turn on and it's, oh, it's Deep Space Nine. Let he is yeah. without sin. I'll watch that because right. I certainly wasn't going to. Pull it out of the DVD collection, break out the DVD, you know, or the Cloudminders. I wasn't going to pull that out of the DVD collection, but it's on Pluto TV, so I'm going to watch it. Look, I mean, did you, I, I was talking just the other day. I was watching um, the first uh, Mate and the, the the Perfect Mate, the Perfect, perfect Mate, and uh, and the first um, Mate is Darmok. Yeah, 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 Darmok, because it was on the the Pluto. Right. 
Although I still find the, the commercials Pluto. unwatchable. I, it's not a planet. It's barely streaming service. Uh, <laughs> I well, mean, because I, I do hate the commercials. I, I tune into Pluto uh, for uh, the old uh, Bob Barker Price is Right. Oh, uh, nice. I, and and Love Boat. And, of course, uh, Mission Impossible. Of course. Just Don't they have a dedicated Mission Impossible uh, they tier? They do. That's cool. It's great. Yeah. I mean, I know that on Stir and uh, some of these other um, AVOD channels, they had a dedicated Space 1990. I don't know if they still do dedicated Space 1999 channel. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, Wise Guy just came out on Blu-ray oh, for the first go. time. And um, it has the Dead Door record arcs. But we're going to cover that on Deck 78 uh, coming soon. I'm going to get our friend Rob Burnett down to talk about it. And we got David Burke is going to come down and talk about it. So we'll nice. we'll we'll kick Wise Guy down to Deck 78. Speaking of Deck 78, if you're a fan of Trexperts, you want to subscribe to Trexperts Plus. Trexperts Plus, that gives you access to every episode of Deck 78, uh, along with all the free episodes of Inglorious Trexperts and other surprises, which we haven't even thought of yet. That's so <laughs> <laughs> you want to subscribe. And in the back of my support, mind, actually. Support the show. Uh, support uh, so we can support our our, our team of of crack experts that work for us um, and crack experts um, crack experts no. <laughs> and uh, space nineteen ninety nine experts and everything so uh, but uh, you can do that by going to trackspertsplus.com it's only four ninety nine a month and we truly appreciate your support of the show. Um, so thank you for that. And of course, uh, you can let us know what you thought of this or any episode of Inglorious Trexperts at Twitter, if we're still on it, at Inglorious Trek. And of course, on Instagram and Inglorious Trexperts on Facebook. Now, we're, we're not going anywhere. You know, uh, whatever I think of Elon Musk, uh, is, you know what? It's the town square. We're, we're hanging out in the town square. I don't believe in making statements about, you know, I'm gonna not I'm not gonna support it by yet. Uh, nobody cares. Nobody cares. It doesn't matter. Oh, the only person we're penalizing is ourselves by pulling our 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 stuff. So we're gonna be there and, and we that's didn't have I didn't have a check mark anyway. So it you didn't have a check mark. I know yeah. I have a check mark. And uh, apparently uh, you're gonna have to start I love the, you're gonna have to start paying for them now. So I if it goes away, it goes away. And I, 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 as I said on uh, the Twitter, I, I pay for uh, ad-free Peacock, so I'll pay for anything, but I'm not paying for a, a check mark. That, so, sound, that uh, sounds rude, ad-free Peacock. I don't yeah, know it why. does, doesn't it? it does, sounds, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I didn't name the freaking streaming service. So uh, anyway, um, what else? Uh, please rate us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps bring new listeners to the show. Indeed. And uh, again, check out Deck 78. And uh, we look forward to uh, bring back the 430 movie next year, as well as the Trexpress Briefing Room. All your old favorites are going to be back. But, you know, we can only produce so much content because we have to work for a living. So yeah. there you have it. Um, Darren, this was a pleasure as always. Indeed. So until next time, what do we say? Well, we say uh, uh, make it so, and uh, we've never said that. No, keep on trekking, <laughs> ingloriously. <laughs> <laughs>